What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Hey, Ken. I think, possibly, could spring be on the way? Could be. Now, how would you know if spring is on the way in Texas? Do you look at your bees and they're out there, got uh, got their, they've t- finally put the shorts on and all of that kind of stuff? <laughs> that is exactly. And, and are they going, are they in their tennis shoes and are they running around in their, in their uh, uh, wife beater t-shirts or what? That is exactly the image that went through my mind before you started. You said, how do you know? And you started with the bees. And I, I immediately was like, well, they put on their shorts and tank tops. Well, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> And their wife beater t-shirts. That's right. They're wife beaters. Does it is it still a wife beater if all the bees are female? <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, I guess you know. Not you supposed know, to ask such technical yeah, questions. We probably shouldn't tell people that all the time because then pe- then then our listeners are going to say, "Well, they're going to tell their husband." You know, bees are smart. They are all female. And you drones, are they key you after they use you. Yeah. No. No, that's not no. a good. No, we better not talk about that no. like that. We have so. some strange terminology for things, too, though, if you think about it. I, I saw this little comedian act from a guy from overseas. Mm-hmm. I think he was from South Africa, actually. And when he first got here, he was talking about the differences in things like a napkin to us to wipe mm-hmm. your face to yeah. them as a diaper yeah. so somebody Ooh. was a diaper so somebody diaper? was saying well do you want a napkin to go with that and he was like why the hell would i need a napkin because he's thinking other wife beaters the same way to them it's an undershirt or it's, it has a different yeah. formal name to us it's a wife beater and you tell somebody oh you got on a wife beater and they're like you did what <laughs> <laughs> well who got me talking like that uh tofil bourgeois who we use on the radio show all the time tofil says yeah i'm running around in my in my uh, wife beater t-shirt my what's the little the swim trunks, the little bitty swim trunks. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, I can't think of them. But uh, and his white, uh, white PVC rubber boots. And I'm sitting there. Oh heck! I wish I could think of those dang at bath the swim trunks, but they're, they're speedos. speedos. He's running around He's in his speedos. speedos. Those aren't shorts. His white t-shirt <laughs> and his white rubber boots, and I'm sitting there. I just get that in my mind, my mind's eye, and I try to burn it out just as quick as I get it there. Well, so you know my my standard quote unquote work outfit. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it is a tank top or a white t-shirt. Mm-hmm. A pair of shorts mm-hmm. and cowboy boots. Now I look like a complete <laughs> fool when I show up to someone's house, and they look at me. And then first off, they're like, "What the heck is this guy wearing?" And then secondly, every time they ask me, "Are you gonna get the bees in that?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. I put my suit on over this, and then it all makes sense." But trust yeah. me, it's hot. It's Texas. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to wear the suit if yeah. I don't have to. Yeah. So I show up in shorts and boots, and people are like, "What?" <laughs> she noticed uh, one of our. <laughs> guest that we had on the show a few shows back was talking about they're from Port A and Gloria Jerry's wife is fixing to retire and she's wanting to get in the bee business. Ah, you're talking about your uh, your radio show, The oh, Great yeah, Outdoors? Yeah, 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 The Great Outdoors yeah. and The Sunday Sportsman. That actually, you know, that's not a bad hobby to have actually and for retirement wise you've got the time to go mm-hmm. out and work on it and it brings in residual income and plus if you're crafty and you want to do other projects you can use some of the products from the hive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's kind of a great gig for retirement. Yeah, and you know I know I've been playing with it at the house. I've been 
coming up with some uh, uh, swarm traps and different things, trying to figure all this stuff out. And top bar hive's the only way to go. I mean, that's the only way to go. Now, I'm proud of you, Ken. If you're not, you're growing up so them. fast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not moving them. If you're not moving them. Yeah, uh, to move them, it is a two-person job. Yeah. And they have to go into a truck or a trailer, and they have to set a specific direction. Mm-hmm. You got to be really careful when you're driving because those combs, since how they have no foundation or no frame, you slam on the brakes once, you could break every comb yeah. in that hive, and, yeah. and that's it. So, yeah, if it's if you know where they're going to be and they're going to be there the majority of the time, absolutely top bar. But if you're trying to do, like, migratory beekeeping mm-hmm. and moving them around and pollinate different areas, you, you better put it into the, the Langstroth box. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and that's what you see, you know, when you hear – Oh, the beekeeper had had a wreck on I-35, <laughs> and you look out there, and there's a whole pile of Langstroth boxes, and there is a pile of bees, and you see John out there trying to catch them. He's after the <laughs> in queen. his shorts and his boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, now how do you know when it's springtime? Well, to get back to the- what what would you say out here in Central Texas? What is the the number one thing that everybody sees that we oh. all go gaga for? Blue bonnet. Exactly. Blue bonnets everywhere. Now, odd little side note, though, the blue bonnet itself makes no nectar whatsoever. Um, so why do we want blue bonnets? They, the pollen that they produce actually gives the bees their initial protein source to start raising all the brood that will eventually be your foraging force come spring when the nectar flow really is going. So, so it's, it's crucial to give them that food. That's their boost coming out of winter to start raising the new babies and growing the colony. So you're telling me that every flower don't make honey? Every flower is different. Some makes uh, nectar, some makes pollen, some make both. Um, different amounts. Every every one of them, even all the plants that make nectar, the sugar content, the types of sugar, and the amount of liquid mm-hmm. changes and varies from plant to plant and species to species. So it's all very different. So now, if you got blue bonnets out there, there's Indian paintbrushes. On the way. They, yeah. they will be coming. So we That's look the at second one. Yeah, we look at Blue Bonnet as that is your signal that spring is coming. Spring is on the way. Spring has sprung. It's no, well, it's not sprung yet. Well, it's yeah. getting it's ready to spring. Way. Yeah, um, but that is the it's on the way. So then you start watching, and when you start seeing the other colors, the reds and the yellows and stuff popping up out mm-hmm. there, and like you mentioned, the Indian paintbrush, mm-hmm. that is the plant that's going to start your nectar flow, your spring nectar flow. So in certain regions of the area, your your true nectar flow doesn't really start until, well, we cheat in here in Central mm-hmm. Texas. We, we we get a jump start. Our spring sometimes starts in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, yeah, but, blue bonnets start. Yeah, blue bonnets come early. In February, late February. So for, for us, our main nectar flow here in Central Texas is going to start in April and go all the way through May and June. Um, other states, the further north you get, it may be May or it may be June whenever you get to that actual main nectar flow but your blue bonnets that's going to be your first sign to show you what's going on um if you kind of looked at the calendar and you went through in january there is actually an abundant nectar source out there but it's hard for the bees to get to because if the temperatures are too cold they can't fly to go forage it but it's actually the mistletoe the mistletoe goes into full bloom flowers yeah yeah they go into full bloom at that time of year and it's an abundant nectar producing plant but again only on on days when it's above 60 degrees can the bees actually fly and partake and bring that back to the hive and your colony is actually pretty small 
at that time of year. So they don't have the workforce to bring in a lot of it and the temperature doesn't always cooperate. So it is there for them. Um, As you move into February, you'll start getting a lot of things that uh, a lot of people actually look at it as weeds, but the uh, chickweed. Mm-hmm. I think. Is that right? Does that sound right? Sounds good. Little little purple conical flower that kind of grows in your yard. Yeah. I think it's a chickweed. Um, there's different colloquial names for mm-hmm. these things. Dandelions, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yellow dandelion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dandelion provides nectar and pollen. It's not a high quality pollen or protein source, but it does provide pollen for them. So it's a good stopgap. That stuff starts to come in in February. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no one main nectar flow, though, at that point in time. But uh, you will get elm and uh, wild mustard pollen. And then again, your dandelions. Henbit. That's it. Henbit. Not chickweed. Henbit. Henbit is the one that'll grow out in your yard and make little purple flowers on them. Oh, okay. Um, you can actually pull that out and chew on the end of it like you would a honeysuckle, and it'll, you'll get that nectar and kind of have that little sweet taste. No, we think. Um, then in March, it's mainly dandelion, and that's then when the chickweed comes in is in March. Um, April, though, that's when everything really starts kicking off and going. So in April, you've got your Yopon holly. The Indian blanket, which the Indian blanket is your major nectar producer. Most of the nectar in Central Texas is going to come from your Indian blanket. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the beginning of the true nectar flow. And after that, you have some other things that will kind of come into play there. You've got mesquite. Now, mesquite is literally a thorn in the side of most landowners. Um, But that tree... It makes flowers, and it makes mm-hmm. these tassels that have hundreds of flowers on each tassel. Yeah. They kind of look like a fuzzy caterpillar. Right. And it's a very fickle plant in in regards to it wants rain in the very beginning, mm-hmm. and then it wants long, hot, dry periods. And if it mm-hmm. gets that, it'll bloom. But if it rains when it's blooming, it stops blooming, drops all its flowers, and quits. Mm-hmm. So there's some years that if it's hot and dry, it's a saving grace because it's making nectar and it's feeding the bees when nothing else is. But if you're getting a lot of rain, you're not necessarily getting a lot of mesquite nectar. But mesquite is a good one that can come to play in there. Um, Central Texas and then the further south you go, the more of it you'll kind of run into. Also, mesquite is one of the only pure varietal honeys that you can produce. So here in Central Texas, we call it wildflower honey because it's a mix of everything. But mesquite is the one thing that comes in that is a true varietal honey that you can have just pure mesquite honey based on your location and the bloom and everything. So what about bee brush? Bee brush does come into play, but that's usually in the fall. Yeah. So that's that's later in the year. White brush. Um, Once your Indian blanket gets full under swing and you start transitioning from April into May, you have the Indian blanket. You've got what I call the Mexican top hat. Sombrero. Yeah, Mexican Mm -hmm. sombrero. And then you'll end up with horse mint. You ever seen horse mint? Yes. Yeah, horse mint, I laugh at it. It's it's a really cool little plant, yeah. but it reminds me of something out of a Dr. Zeus book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Stem comes up, yep. flower in the middle, then another yep. flower above it, yep. and it just keeps going. Um, the horse mint's really fun because when your bees are actually foraging on horse mint, the way the flower structure is, it's a, it's a double petal where you've got a petal that goes down and then a petal above it, and they have to crawl between these two petals to get the nectar, <laughs> and the pollen is on the top petal, so it literally puts a stripe, like a racing stripe, down the head of the bee, and the bee can't get it off. So when they come back to the hive, if you're sitting there and you're watching the colony, you'll see these bees coming in with these white mohawks. Mm-hmm. That's horse mint. <laughs> That's how you know they're foraging on the horse mint. Um, but the horse mint comes into play. You, in certain areas, you'll also have sweet clover. And that is like May is when you're really ramping up. You're hitting the peak of your nectar flow. And then it, for us, it kind of plateaus and stays that way all the way through June. Um, in June,
soon the Indian blanket and the Mexican top hat start backing off a little bit, depending yep. on moisture. Horse mint still going strong. Mesquite can be going strong. Um, and those things will go in through June up until for us, everything's conditional on the weather. And, you know, we have those 40 days of 40 plus days of 100 plus degrees mm-hmm. in a row. Well, the first time it hits that and we haven't had any rain, that's it. It stops. So like first week of July, we're done. How about the yellow flowers? The yellow flowers you see out there, they're just they just blanket areas. It depends on where you're at and what time of year it is. If it's early spring and you're seeing a ton of yellow flowers, yeah. that's usually what it's a weed that they call the bastard that's cabbage. That's a bitter weed, what we call them. Bitter weed? Yeah. Yeah, the, the bitter weed, bastard cabbage, those will make a lot of yellow flowers. There's another bitter weed that grows in the fall as well, and that's one of the things that attributes to that bitter taste inside your fall honey, your fall nectar. Uh, but there, there's a lot. So in Central Texas, the reason we end up with what is called wildflower honey mm-hmm. is because we have no monocrops of thousands and thousands of plants right. that is all doing the same thing. It's just tons of different things. I go out through on the, the primary apiary where we have all of our honey hives. It's on an organic farm, and the, the 28 acres of it is organic farm. The other 20 acres is just wild land and tons of mesquite, but there's flowers out there I cannot even identify. I take pictures of them and I walk around and I look and I get with some of the people that, you know, we have in contact with the club and stuff. And some of them will get identified. Some of them we don't, they're really pretty. And there, there's some strange ones out there too, but the bees are taking little sips from all these different things and and putting them together. And that's why you end up with the wildflower honey instead of uh, just alfalfa or just clover. So the bees that you see, if you're watching videos that will come in with the yellow stuff all over their hind legs that's That's pollen pollen. yeah it can be yellow orange green purple white there's all rainbow of colors of pollen oddly enough when you look inside the colony though in the hive Mm -hmm. mainly yellow and orange are the only deposits that you see in there but if you watch them coming and going there's red they'll bring in red pollen packs Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah that's it's actually really cute because it looks like they're wearing bloomers yep yep (laughs) and that is more of a food then for them the pollen is the protein source that is where they're getting all of the protein from their diet and a lot of the the amino acids and minerals um all of that's coming from the pollen the nectar is their carbohydrate that's their sugar source that's their fuel and their energy and that's what they're gonna make honey out of and yeah the excess of that's what they make the honey out of and then the honey the whole point of the honey is their their stopover food for the wintertime right that's their food source and in the winter all they're doing is vibrating to generate heat so they're burning through tons of calories and they need tons of sugar of energy to be able to manage that and and maintain that heat you know the more you get into bees more you find it's just sort of like what we do yeah as humans you know if you've got these huge conglomerate corporations and 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 then you start looking and and just looking at a different (laughs) kind of a different eye a corporation is basically a hive of bees yeah growing up I used to, there was a lot of big red ants mm-hmm. and big black ants, and mm-hmm. I used to mess with the ant dens and everything else, I and mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so I, I had sticks and rocks for friends and things to play with, <laughs> um, but out there, when you look at an ant den and you look at the trails they make and how they clear out paths and yeah, stuff, red ants, yeah. well, then you turn around and you look at like a busy, bustling city and you mm-hmm. zoom out and you look at the satellite view of that. Mm-hmm. It looks just like an ant. Like, oh, yeah, you've man. got your yep. trails and you've got your paths they've cleared yep. out. and Yeah, so we, exactly. It's like the micro and macro of everything. Yeah, it is. But uh, so to really raise bees. Now, here I'm getting more get back to bees now. Uh, when you want to go to an area and the first thing you should do, say, is go and look at your plants. Okay, I'm going to have blue bonnets. You can already see blue bonnets. 
bonnets first thing you know in january you'll see blue little blue bonnets all over the ground and not so much on on indian paintbrushes do you know an indian paintbrush is really a what do they call them they attach their self to a blade of grass the root system of a grass it, it they don't have their own root system they are dependent on the grass that they attach oh. themselves to so it's like a symbiotic they it's are. almost That's like they're they call uh, them, symbiotic. they're splicing themselves into yep. another plant i did not know that yep yep Yep. That is very yep. cool. Uh, I read that somewhere. I saw it on one of the science channels. Yeah, so. the, the first thing you're going to want to do is you you always want to evaluate your surroundings and get a good idea of what is growing. You know, if it's where your actual homestead is, then you should have a good idea mm-hmm. of how your seasons go. But there's a there's a lot of things that can be contradictory. You may see a lot of flowers, like like we talked about the blue bonnet, but blue bonnets make no nectar, so your bees may not survive there if that's the only type of plant they have because they don't have the full range of food sources that they need another issue is with us we're right on that escarpment line Mm -hmm. and east of 35 is all prairie land west of 35 you start going into the hill country right that transition for the first i don't know let's say 40 50 miles of hill country is crap when it comes to actually growing a lot of flowers and food. Mm-hmm. So you'll have these little pockets where you can have one beekeeper and their bees are just fine. And three miles down the road, you've got a beekeeper that Darwin constantly death. feeds their yeah. bees sugar syrup because there's no other food for them. Mm-hmm. So evaluating your land and your area, knowing what grows, how much of it is growing, that's going to be very key to knowing where you should place your bees. Because if you're keeping bees just for the sake of keeping bees, sometimes you don't necessarily mind that you constantly have to feed your bees. But if you're constantly feeding your bees, that means there is no real honey ever in there. If they ever do cap anything, it's just dehydrated cap sugar syrup. And that's not what we want. So that that is a very key part. But the other part of it is, in, in some of these contradictions, is what is the weather doing? Three or four years ago... Um, we had at one of our association meetings, I was telling everybody, you guys, your bees are starving. You need to feed your bees. And they thought I was just like mad hatter crazy because there were flowers everywhere, Mm -hmm. everywhere, just overflowing with flowers. But what they weren't taking into account was the rain. It was literally raining every other day. When that happens, the rain washes the nectar out of the flower. The flower takes anywhere from 24 to 48 hours just to regenerate the nectar. So even though you see the flowers Mm -hmm. and you know it's raining, there's still no food in the flower for the bees to get. So in situations like that, you've got to go through, you've got to feed the bees. Otherwise, they can starve out. And when that colony is growing and expanding and just literally exploding with the size, they go from 15 to 20,000 bees coming out of winter and they make this drastic jump all the way up to 60,000 mouths that have to be fed plus the new babies that are being raised. They can burn through food stores in a week. You can have several frames of capped honey and if there's no other food out there for them, you come back they a week later their, and it's bone dry. Up. Yeah. So wow. so you've got to keep a real good eye on what's going on and and you know too much rain washes the nectar out not enough rain the flowers actually stop producing nectar or produce tiny amounts so they can conserve the moisture for themselves so you've got to have a happy medium like if it was a perfect world twice a week spread out three or four days apart that'd be great on rainfall granted mother nature never does that for us we may go a month with no rain and then we get five inches all at once (laughs) cactus Cactus, uh, like the prickly pear, yeah, they do actually make nectar and pollen. Oddly enough, 
it uh, there's something about it. Bees are very, very specific and they're single minded. So if there's a nectar source out there that they prefer that has a better quality, right. they will go to it first. It doesn't matter if there's a hundred other plants out there making flowers. They'll go to that one until they exhaust it and then they'll start working their way backwards. So in my original home apiary here in town, I had a whole bunch of the prickly pear cactus along the front entry defense. There was only one or two weeks in one month that I ever saw bees on those flowers. Mm. And there were flowers everywhere. What about Algerita? I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. Algerita, you've seen them in the in pastures. They're the plant that looks like a holly. They have the, the, the leaves have prickly pear or prick, uh, stickers on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wood's yellow. In fact, when I have Sam Kaufman on, he'll tell you that Algerita is one of the greatest medicine plants that Texas has. Huh. Uh, the roots are good for your digestion. Uh, the fruit makes a really tart little red berry. And it's an edible are, berry. Oh yes, huh. yes, and makes great jelly. By the way, I could. Uh, I'll definitely we'll look have into to look it. At that. Yeah, we'll yeah. look into it and see because there's there's a lot of those. If a plant has medicinal qualities, it's really interesting because sometimes those qualities can actually convey and transfer over into the nectar. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always happen that way, but like uh, the coffee bean, the coffee plant, bees are your primary pollinator for coffee, and the plant itself actually has the caffeine, and trace amounts will show up in the nectar, which means trace amounts of Caffeine can show up in your honey. Um, Get buzz from Bee Buzz. <laughs> that's our Colombian honey company we're going to start, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in another things, you see a lot of, of BS on the internet, too, though. So BS? BS. Not, oh, B, okay. not B-E-E-S. <laughs> not B's as uh, BS. Yeah. But, you know, anybody can post anything, and it's it's a lot of times it's unpoliced, so you don't know what's there. There was a, a viral video about a year and a half ago that went out, and it was... CBD, not infused honey, but okay. like marijuana honey. And they were saying that they the make bees... That in Colorado. Well, they were saying that the New bees Mexico. were actually foraging from the honey plant or from the marijuana plant and making the honey. But marijuana is just like Blue Bonnet. It does not make nectar at oh, all, okay. Okay. which means they can't make honey from it. And what the guy had done is he had taken sugar syrup, painted it on the damn plants, the bees flocked to it to steal the sugar, and then he recorded that footage of the bees, quote-unquote, foraging from his plants. Now, it does make pollen, and they can get the pollen from it, but just because a plant has that property doesn't always mean it's expressed, and if it doesn't even make nectar, well, then no, it's not going to be in your honey. So the gatekeeper of the beehives not sitting there, hey, man, did you find the Hot plant out there. <laughs> come on in. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you, but come on in. Yeah. Got plenty of food. Now, to recap this, if you're thinking about getting in, you, you got your land, you've got your your you, you see thousands of blue bonnets. You're not happy with blue bonnets. No, I mean the, to the feed blue bonnets your are bees. Good. Yeah, they're yeah. they're good for protein because without that, you couldn't get that jump start on your forage force, your brood, and the babies but, that are going to be coming down the road. But it's not going to make you honey. And three or four weeks later, you don't see the Indian paintbrushes. Yeah, if you're not seeing the Indian paintbrush, you could be in trouble. Or you don't see the the sombreros. <laughs> yeah, you got plenty of mesquite. But you're going to have to feed them along till the mesquite grows. Yeah. And, and again, that mesquite, it could bloom. It could make you a ton of nectar. But again, at the same time, if it rains on the mesquite, it's going to quit. So, so yeah, it's all about what's in your surrounding, what's in the land, and, and just keeping track of it. And 
knowing what grows and knowing how nature affects what's growing so that you know what you need to do for your bees. So what you're really saying is, okay, guys, if you bought your place, your 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 piece of, you know, your ranch hat, and you're wanting to know, okay, am I going to be able to raise bees here? Well, yeah, maybe so. But the best thing to do is get hold of John Swan, and John will come out there, and he can look at your stuff and say, ah, hell no. This is Caliche Hill. You ain't gonna grow a damn thing here. Yeah, rocks and caliche and clay. They don't they don't make for much. Good so, construction materials if you, know, you need it for other things. But, so, that's, but <laughs> that's what you know a lot of people should. If they if they're gonna try to get into the bee business, they need to contact you, get to know you, because one of the things what's wonderful, one of my customers or one of my our listeners, first thing he talked about when he got when you are taking the your nukes out to him, you go with the nuke, you tell him, okay, this is what you need to do, this is how you need to do it. Okay, you're going to have this, uh, and you set the queen up, you do everything, and that's what they were so grateful for because she had already had two nukes die on her. Yeah, there's so I have a big like I mean I understand when you get when you get too big for your britches and you got too much going on, it's hard to maintain some of this stuff, but to me. I would rather have the bees, take them to you, know what condition they're in, know how they arrived and know what was going on when they were installed than just having you drive to me and me giving you the bees and being like, good luck, because once they're yours, they're yours. At least if I come and drop them off, you get that installation and you get that free consultation and training with it. You learn about what's there. You can see it with your own eyes. You know the queen's there because we spot her, we point her out, and you see it all go into play instead of getting home and being like, well, now what? What do I do? <laughs> I don't know. Look it up online. Um, it just it adds that extra value, that extra touch. Now, and granted, if you're not in the, the central Texas region, uh, I'm, I'm you know, lucky you to death. You can probably help them find I somebody. can help you find somebody, but I'm, uh, no matter how much I like you, I'm not going to drive to New York to put your bees in no. for no, don't want to drive to New York anyway. <laughs> Not drive, I'll fly. <laughs> but uh, hey, folks, this is the hive jive. That's what we talk about. We talk about bees. We talk about you know we, what what it's uh, it's bees and, honey. and and getting started on bees and making honey and all the things you can do with hives. Yeah. Um, you can always check us out online. Our website is thehivejive.com mm-hmm. or hivejivepodcast.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook at the Hive Jive and on Instagram at the Hive Jive. There you go. We're all over the internet, just like the bees are all over the flowers. Yeah, feel free to shoot us an email through any of those sources or a message online. We're always happy to go through answer listener questions. If you you got a question, we'll try to help you out. Hey guys, have jive. We'll see y'all on the other side. Be good. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes the first and third Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves. Behave yourselves.